Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's live broadcast of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, taking your calls and your questions. Calvary Live is a production of Grace FM, which is a ministry of our church. So if you're listening here in the Colorado area, Wyoming, Nebraska, or online, gracefm.com, welcome. We're grateful to provide Grace FM to our community as an outreach, as an in-reach, to edify, to build up, to help other churches, to help uh, businesses, uh, Christian businesses, and uh, it is fully 100% a ministry of our church, and we're grateful for that. You're also listening, uh, if you hear my voice, you might be listening on Hope FM, another church-related uh, radio network uh, covering Maryland and where else? New Jersey, Pennsylvania. And then we're also on the Truth FM radio network. We've got a couple of, uh, of other radio stations that we're working on to expand the reach of Calvary Live around the country, but... We welcome you guys listening in Tennessee, North Carolina, Kentucky. Of course, online on our live stream, we have people listening around the world. And we are grateful to be a small part of the great work that God's doing in your life. If this is your first time tuning in, fantastic. Here's how it works. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. And... If you want to text me, 720-336-0897, yesterday you may have heard Pastor Cody King, he hosted the show on his own yesterday, uh, and that was the final real uh, step before Cody now is uh, trained to host the show, so you can welcome Cody when he is on. He's going to be filling in from time to time, and... Uh, very grateful to have Cody on our team. Cody pastors up in Commerce City, Colorado, up in an area called Reunion. And God is pouring out his spirit on this fellowship. And not only is it growing numerically, but it's growing spiritually. And along with his wife, Micah, and his girls, they serve faithfully. Uh, another brother that moved out from Southern California with a burden for Colorado. And we welcome you. Uh, he's been out for a while, so it's not like he just got here, but we welcome those that have a heart for our cities, uh, that have a heart for the Lord, because I've seen some guys go out and plant churches that just, they're doing it for other motives, and uh, they aren't aren't pastoring, they're pestering uh, the body, and it's a bad, bad situation, surrounded by people that think like them, only like them, and um, and Cody is not one of those guys. So welcome, Cody. Welcome to the Calvary Live team, and I'm sure you'll be hearing him as various openings come. 303-690-3000 is the number. If you're here in Colorado, go to gracefm.com. Gracefm.com, that's where you can donate financially. I wish you would. Hope you do. 
There's also a list of local fellowships that we support, we're in fellowship with, and on occasion we'll get a question about whether a church is on there or not, and uh, if it's not on there, there's a reason. And uh, and so, um, you know, the, like for example, if, if the entire Baptist um, group of churches isn't on there because we don't have relationships with every pastor, I'm looking forward to gaining. I just met a new brother who's replanting a church up in North, North Aurora. Uh, great brother. He came to our pastor's breakfast. Man, was I encouraged. Uh, and so, um, you know, the, there may not be a church on there that, that maybe because we don't know the pastor, we don't have a relationship with them, or, or we, do have, we do know the pastor and they're purposely left off. So that's a possibility too. Uh, but that's just a simple list, uh, primarily families within the Calvary network of churches, uh, and whether um, whatever uh, association they might be a part of, that we know them, we love them, we support them. And here in Colorado and Nebraska or uh, South Dakota, this little region here, uh, we want you to uh, be in a safe environment. You know, and, and a matter of fact, as I do continue to build relationships, for example, if you were in the Denver area, I have a couple churches uh, in that university. Uh, I-25 corridor that I would recommend. The first one, of course, is Denver Calvary. Uh, that's Pastor Louie. Louie and Tracy, um, you guys listening in may not know, but Pastor Louie and his wife and their children, it was just the boys back then, um, picked up everything and left everything in Southern California to come and be uh, the first assistant pastor at Calvary here. And uh, what a great job both of them have, have done to serve the body here and to serve our community. And then, then the Lord launched him out. Uh, and now he's pastoring. Uh, he took the leadership of an existing church and is killing. I was just with the guys in their men's ministry recently. Had a great time. So Louis Denver Calvary is one of them. And another one is a Baptist friend of mine. His name is John Moreland. John Moreland and I have been friends since he moved to town from Albuquerque. Uh, that the Lord is using him to minister. And the thing about John that I, I mean, there's so many things I love about our friendship, but he's the new president of the Colorado Baptist Association. Uh, so uh, a worthy man to hold that office. Uh, he loves God, he loves his family, and he loves the churches. He loves pastors. So congratulations, John Moreland, uh, that you are now the president. I think it's a one-year term of the Colorado Baptist. God bless you. Uh, you're going to do a great job. And we just inked a, a, a date that I'm going to be serving at his church. Uh, I think it's in March sometime. I'm going to be teaching the men on a Saturday morning uh, in March. So looking forward to building relationships with pastors all around the city that love Jesus and serve. And of course, you guys on in New Jersey, I've got some good friends out there. Uh, Maryland, i got my friend in Baltimore. I also met the brother in Boston recently. Um, the Calvary Chapel there. Uh, so pastors, you know, we need to stick together and encourage one another and pray for your pastors. Uh, pray for your pastors. I, I uh, shared last night in our Bible study, and again, we're, we're talking just uh, so, um, we're, so that you can fill the phone lines. Uh, so we usually just start talking until the phone lines fill up, which it looks like is coming uh, very quickly here. Uh, and so uh, last night, I was teaching the last chapter of 2 Kings. We finished, it took us five years almost, but we finished 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. We were going to go into Chronicles, but we're going to wait. The Lord's taking me in a new direction for our midweek Bible study, which I'll announce when we get back from Israel. Um, but 
in the study last night, I shared how God sometimes sends a priest, and I've clarified, I didn't mean a Roman Catholic priest, but a priest, like a pastor, a spiritual leader into our lives, to share with us what we need to hear in a softer, more gentler approach. It's still the same spiritual truth, but, you know, God is gracious to us, and he doesn't uh, immediately, you know, right into our face with the situation, but gives us a chance to receive a Bible teaching or the gentle nudging of the Holy Spirit. But when we don't listen, he sends a prophet. And a prophet is just a man that speaks for the for God, hard words, difficult things, and and then I shared, you know what? Um, what happens with prophets? They get stoned. And and I shared a story of a friend of mine, not in Colorado, but a friend of mine who is in a, a smaller town pastoring, took a church of about a hundred adults to about eight hundred adults uh, under his leadership, which is phenomenal. Um, he happens to be in a denomination that counts. So they do that, uh, and he could tell, he could tell. But uh, 2017 was a stellar year for him uh, in terms of that measurement, so the elders were really happy with him. But in 2018, there was a dip, maybe 50, 100 people. I don't remember exactly how many. So the elders there uh, decided that they're, in order to make up for some of the budget shortfall, they fired an assistant pastor. And they put the senior pastor on notice that if he doesn't bring the, pa- the church back up to that number, they're going to fire him too, uh, which sounds a lot like the world, doesn't it? Sounds like your place of employment. Like, I'm grateful that uh, we're—I I shared that story in the context of Jeremiah and how they wanted to kill him and uh, because prophets get stoned. People that do even do a great work in the ministry um, have their critics— and have people that want to destroy them. And sometimes churches are run by ungodly people. Um, and it's not even so much the structure. Uh, some guys just shouldn't be pastoring. They should not be pastoring churches. Um, it, it is not God's call upon their life. Or they're so fleshly and carnal uh, that they have no heart, but rather just to have a little group together and and uh, have people follow them. And and so what I what I shared with the church last night is is you should be praying for the churches in your community. Pray that the Lord would establish the leadership. Pray for the pastor, his wife, his children. Um, of course, the context in our church is we have a lot of assistant pastors. Pray for them. Pray for their wives. Pray for their kids. Pray that the Lord would use them in great ways. And, and uh, you know, pastors have enough difficulty then to have their elders come and say, oh, wow, if you don't grow the church by 100 adults and the budget by this much, we're going to let you go. How foolish. We don't control the growth of the church. So, how could you hold hold a pastor accountable for something he doesn't control? It's just foolishness, not even in the word. So pray for that, right? 303-690-3000. We're going to jump right on the phone lines today. Aaron in Aurora, Colorado, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor. How are you? Good, man. What's up? Um, my wife, she opened up her home or our home to... Um, an old friend she was homeless and she spent some time in jail and when she got out of jail it was Saturday or so and just to try to help her get on her feet and so far you know she's just really like sticking her nose our, our family is very fragile we're trying to build ourselves back up and God and with one another and you know okay. she's putting her hands in places where it shouldn't be but you know, we want to help her, and I think 
you know, if he's still using, and I come from an addict background, so I know how that goes. We just want to help her, but we we just, just don't know which way to go. You know, I'm driving home to, to kick her out, you know, and I just need some advice on that biblically, you know. Well, I do believe that when you bring someone into your home, that it it is based on relationship. And without a relationship, you know, in a relationship without rules, uh, you can call them rules or you can call them mutual agreements. It really doesn't matter. But a relationship without rules is not a relationship, right? For example, if um, you and I have a very limited relationship, right? We're talking to each other on the radio. But let's just say that I said to you, hey, Aaron, uh, can I come to your house and let's talk about the things of the Lord? What would you say? Yes. You'd probably say yes, because we're at that level, and you would trust me, and and I would trust you, and maybe I'd bring a brother, and you'd bring a brother, and there's accountability. We'd just talk. But what if I went into your house, you invited me in, like I go, I don't climb in the window, um, I come to your door, I ring the doorbell, you open the door, you let me in, and I went right to your refrigerator and started drinking the milk out of the carton. What would you do? Yeah, I wouldn't go over too well. You and, and you know it's kind of awkward. It would be. It's a really. I'm painting an awkward picture on purpose, but it's awkward. You might let it go. You might say something, and and then you know what if I uh, started eating your food, and what if I was going through your drawers? What if I went up to your bed and just got under your covers and fell asleep? I mean, at some point you're going to say, "Dude, this is my house, and I wanted to talk to you, and you sounded like an okay guy on the radio, but." It's wrong. You can't just drink my milk like that. And I, I'd gladly pour you a milk, but we do things a certain way in my house. Right. And and so in order to enter into your home, there's an unspoken uh, part from me, and that is to respect and honor you and to follow your lead. And, of course, that's a simple illustration. When you factor in drugs, alcohol, when you factor in um, homelessness and you factor in so many other sinful, uh, con- you know, sin and the consequences of sin. The, yeah. the rules have to be a little stricter uh, because, you know, there has to be earned trust. You gave trust, but then the relationship's going to be built on earned trust. And yes. and you're the leader of your home, so God has ordained you according to the Bible as the head of the home, and it's your responsibility to make these decisions. And to be gracious and loving, but also to be clear. It's one of those examples where it sounds like you're going to have to speak the truth in love. Yep. And we often feel guilty at this point. And again, we don't have all the details, but you do. And it's easy to feel guilty here because we're like, well, now they're going to be homeless and I'm putting them out on the streets. But the reality is, is that it sounds like the way you describe it, they're, by their decisions, they've put themselves back out on the streets. Yeah. Yeah. And let me give you another biblical example of something along these lines. When the son tells his dad, basically, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance. What does the dad do? He gives it to him. And lets him go. We know in the story Jesus shares that he ran out of money, which also he ran out of friends, <clears throat> which meant he had to get a job feeding pigs. Yep. And God was using all of that to bring him to the end of himself. However, what would have happened if his dad found out what a hard spot he was in and gave him more money? What would have happened? 
continued on his way. He would have continued on, and the breaking point would have been much later down the road. But he didn't do that. There's no evidence in the parable that Jesus shares that he ever went after his son, that he chased after him. Uh, he just let him go and trusted that person, trusting his own son to God. And as painful as it is, and as hard as it is for us, we have to remember, I learned this from Gino Geraci, um, a friend of mine from Calvary South Denver, we can't be more gracious than God is. Right. And there are those times where we have to let a person go. And yeah. hope they change. I I agree with you on that. I totally agree. Do you guys mind praying for me, everybody out there, and ask God to help me to approach this correctly? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll pray right now, and then, guys, you guys here listening, just remember, Aaron, tonight, in the next couple of days, as the enemy wants to come in like a flood, that it, that he would have the right words and just be able to do it in a gracious, loving way. Father, I pray for our friend Aaron. He's definitely feeling the weight of such a decision, and I'm just asking you, God, to um, establish him in what you've led him to do, and and also, God, I'm asking that. Uh, he would not lose this tenderness about helping people. That you would only increase his generosity, not decrease it, even though it's a little bit of a setback with this gal. We pray for this gal especially, Lord, with the weight of drugs and alcohol and just just addiction destroys. And I'm even thinking of those that are on the beginning stages of drinking or they took their first hit of marijuana and and they think, oh, it's not going to end so bad. It's not going to be so bad, even though we are surrounded by examples of where it's bad and even worse. And so, God, bring us to a place of purity and surround us with men and women that will point us to Jesus when the temptations come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Have a great day. Okay, Aaron. God bless, bro. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Got an open line. Take it when you can. Number works all around the country. And it's a Colorado number, but it works all around the country in your cell phone. I, I suggest you put it in your phone. That way it'll make it easier. You could tell Siri to call Calvary Live for you. And if you're driving, make it a safe place. Or even put the text number in separately. And you can tell Siri to or your Google phone to text Calvary Live, and you can just do it without taking your eyes off the road to be in a safe environment. The text line 720-336-0897. And uh, we got a text question I can answer pretty quickly here. Hey, Pastor Ed, how is buying the radio station to reach Southern Colorado going? We've seen zero progress. So keep praying. Um, and thank you for praying for the provision and all the details, all the costs that are involved all the operating costs, but there's been no progress yet, but we believe God, and and he'll allow us to be a part of what he's doing when he is ready. Good evening, sir. Can you tell me, what, please, what part of a man is saved when he declares Jesus as his Lord? When a man is born again, his whole body, soul, and spirit is saved. The entirety of the man is saved. You go, wait a minute, how can his body be saved? Because his body is saved through the resurrection. He gets a new body. And there is no separation in salvation. Uh, the old body is planted, but out of the old body comes the new body, so it's not wasted. So, great question. Text me. I can always fill in. 
303-690-3000. Rudy's calling from Denver for line two. Rudy, welcome to the program. Thank you. Hey, what's going on? Oh, I was just uh, want to ask just for prayer. Just okay. for, uh, you know, me and my family, my wife and son, to uh, keep strong in the faith of God. It's been working okay. for us since, you know, we started going to church regularly and praying good. at the dinner table and just, you know, good. world peace. I'm happy. That's good. That's good, because now you need to be prepared to keep walking with God when you're sad. And that's what I need, yes. And <laughs> We're walking with God when it's hard. keep me strong in all, yeah, all elements right. of life. All right, let's do that. Thank you. Father, I do thank you for the newfound uh, life that you've given to Rudy, um, this new direction in life, his strength, his love, his desire to obey you. Um, thank you for his family. I can picture them at the dinner table praying, reading their Bible together, coming to church together, raising his kids to follow you, God, teaching his kids what it means to be uh, a family that loves God. And we're praying that we're praying for Rudy and his family that you would steal his mind and strengthen him through obedience, like strengthen him through endurance uh, for when the tough times come, because they're coming. Uh, they're right around the corner. Anyone, The Bible says anyone, God, you told us, that desires to live a godly life will suffer persecution. It, they will suffer. Jesus, you told us that in this world there will be tribulation but be of good cheer. We've overcome you over. He's over. You've overcome the world. So be with Rudy, Lord. Continue to add to his faith that he will continue to grow in your grace and in your knowledge. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank God bless you. you. Bye bye. Hey, uh, Pat. I noticed you dropped in Castle Rock. Call back. I'd love to talk to you about what you're feeling when you say, "Am I not trusting God if I'm attending therapy?" Um. Let me just say there's nothing wrong sitting down with a godly brother or a godly sister who's trained to talk you through things and give you the answer biblically. Nothing wrong. Neither does it mean you're not trusting God. Is It would be the same, a similar question that if I ask a pastor for counseling, am I, am I not trusting God? Uh, it's okay uh, to get counsel. God has given us wise men and women in our lives to give us biblical discipleship. But I'd love to talk to you, Pat, because I'd like to talk through your emotions with you. Line one is Frank. Frank, welcome to the program. Well, good afternoon, good afternoon sir. How are you? Frank, your voice sounds familiar. It does. Well, so does yours. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> well, um, you know Donna, she slipped on some ice, broke her wrist. It looks like a golf ball on it. We're headed to oh, no. the emergency room right now. And not only do we need wisdom for the doctors, but I need discernment for the bumps on the road, believe it or not. Okay, well, favor with the traffic. Father, we do pray for Donna and uh, just the, the fragility of her body and the challenges that have come over the years. But thank you, God, for Frank, for the Aurora School District, for the insurance and the provision that you have to get this taken care of. We pray that you would comfort Donna, that the pain would be minimal. And you know, Frank in his driving, Lord, he wants to be careful. Uh, he wants to be safe and wants to avoid anything that would move the car too much. So even in those simple things, you tell us to pray for everything, and so we do. 
We bring it all to you and trust you with the answer. And I thank you for Frank and Donna. I thank you for their contribution to the body of Christ uh, over the years, just so much at the Bema seat that they'll learn that they did that maybe they don't even realize. And also for the time that they've been in our church family, we're very grateful for the fruit from their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor Ed. Okay, brother, let us know how it goes. Sure will. Thanks. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, let's jump to line number two. Garrett is calling from Longmont, Colorado. Garrett, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How's it going? I'm great, man. Uh, what can I help you with? Okay, quick question. Uh, okay. It's kind of about the parable of the lost son. All right. And I was trying to find a way to sort of phrase it, I suppose. But um, it seems like church, like going to church and, and kind of living by the Word and all that stuff sometimes is almost a a barrier. It seems like it's almost a barrier to people's salvation versus, you know, I was listening to you guys had somebody on late night last night and um, I think it was an old recording, but uh, he's a, he was like a doctor, you know, he was a, a doctorate of uh, like end times, I guess is what they said. Okay. Uh-huh. And um, he said that, you know, God is looking for not necessarily good people, but he's looking for people that want to be saved, you know? And it almost okay. kind of seems like uh, sometimes, I guess like going out and making mistakes and everything and um, realizing sort of the, the fallacy of, of all of that is sort of like a, it's, it's almost like it leads to more repentance, I guess, if that makes any sense. I'm not really sure. Uh, and I was thinking about Paul and, um, and Paul's life before he found um, Jesus. Yes. And, um, you know, kind of how he was just, you know, he, he was kind of a bad person, I guess, for lack of a better term. And I was reading um, a poem from uh, Rumi. I can read just a verse real quick. But it really kind of reminded me of Paul, actually. As well, before, before you get to the poem, before you get to the poem, because I'm not familiar with that, I'm not familiar with it, so let me just clarify with you, if I can sure. understand what your question is. You, you started out the conversation saying going to church can be a barrier, to salvation? Is that what did well, I hear you correctly? He, right, correct. So in and so let's stop there for a second and tell me what you're thinking because I don't quite understand the the specific point you'd be making with that. Because we're going to come up on a break, but I want to bring you back over the the after the break so we can finish this conversation. But we've got about a minute or so. What's the point? Like, what are you feeling or thinking when you say that? Well, there's, you know, some. Uh, I've been to um, a few different churches, I suppose, and that sometimes it seems like there's like a holier than thou kind of thing, or that, you know, um, there's like a salvation through, through acts, kind of that you have yeah. to be, you know, you have to be a good person, or that you have to live by the the word, or live by the law, and that's okay. how you get saved. And um, I don't know. I don't. It I, seems I can, kind of counterintuitive, but sometimes it seems. Sorry, go ahead. I would definitely agree with you in that observation that you make that. The believers, people have, and I've heard this said before, you know, I don't have any problem with Jesus Christ. I have a lot of problems with his followers. And that the reality of even knowing, and we'll bring this back. So you, can you stay on hold for the, the other half of the show? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. I'll pull over so, so I can focus on this too. So, because <laughs> I'm really, um, this is a deep question so, for me. So, so let me, let me put you on hold and I'll just, I won't break up my thought. I'll, I'll come back and, 
we'll talk a little bit about this thought, especially as a pastor. You know, I've been in a church when I wasn't a pastor, and then I've been in this church as a pastor, and I, I think I can make some observations on that to, um, to speak to that feeling, and then we can move forward um, on some of the other thoughts. All right, so we're going to put you back okay. on hold. We'll come right back uh, to Garrett. He's up in Longmont, Colorado. Josh will be next. Uh, we have an open line, 303-690-3000. Going to take a real quick break while I get some water, stretch, and then we'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church. And uh, stick around, invite a friend, and let's talk about some of the barriers that people face uh, when it comes to church. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. Uh, The number to dial is 303-690-3000 and texting... 720-336-0897. And that text line, you know, it's, we don't answer. It's, you, you're going to get a ring if you try call it. You can leave a message. You can call it. We will never hear your message. We will never answer the phone. It is only set up for texting, please. And, and please uh, be patient with us. We don't always get to the text questions on the air and we're not, are not, we aren't always able to answer them. So you can keep sending them in or you could call it just depends on the time. You know, one time I was listening, and, and it happened to me once, too, when I was hosting, that we had some technical difficulties, and the whole show was done by text. Nick Katie did that recently. That's a possibility, but most of the time, we can do calls, and when the phone lines are full, then that takes most of the show. So if you're wondering, I text and I never heard back, it doesn't mean we didn't receive it. It just means we didn't have time to respond. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to go back to Garrett. Garrett in Longmont, Colorado. Garrett, welcome back. Hey, Pastor Ed. So, Garrett, with, before me. the just to catch everyone up uh, that might have joined us coming home from work or just connecting at four thirty, that you had a series of questions, but we started with the first one, and the first question was sometimes or a common and observation. You know, sometimes the church seems to be a barrier to people getting saved. Um, I said more that correctly, or less, right? Correct. I guess. I guess it'd be like in reference to uh, the story of the lost son, sort of. Yes. It seemed, like in that in that parable, is it the son who stays at home, who who's kind of bitter about everything, who's lived his life yes. by you know his father's standards? Is it is it him that who is kind of damned, and the the other son is saved because the other son saw the error of his ways and and is well, seeking that, forgiveness? Okay, so now you're adding another dynamic. Let me answer that one first. So you're okay. you making really good Bible observations, okay? That, and that's the observations you make and the questions you're asking is actually a part of what's known as the inductive Bible study method where you make observations of the text and then you ask questions allowing the text to answer them. So let's, let's, re, let's reframe that. It's always been known as the par- parable of the prodigal son, but it's actually a, a parable that contains two prodigal sons one that left and one that stayed. And actually, 
I believe whoever called it the parable of the prodigal son, the parable is actually not about the sons at all. Did you know that? Um, no, sir. It's about the father. The focus right, of that right, parable okay. is actually the father, not the sons. Now, they're included, of course, but it's really the picture of the father who typifies. Remember, when Jesus shared a parable, he shared a parable about the kingdom of heaven. The whole point of parables was to tell a story <clears throat> that would be cast alongside the truth. And the truth is how how our Father deals with people. And so how he loves, how he forgives, how he cares, how he will reach out to humankind, to mankind, men and women, at his own pain, which would lead us to the cross. You know, he sacrificed his own son. It shows us then to the two boys. You got the one that the world taught him a lesson. And then you've got the other one that stayed home who needed the who needed this whole scenario to teach him a lesson. And the Bible, the Bible of Jesus doesn't continue the parable, so we don't know what happened to the son that stayed home. Uh, he could have died in that condition or he could have changed. But the point was the father loved them both. And he cared for them both. And his heart is to save those in the world and his heart is to save those that are super close to him. It's okay. a beautiful parable. So then coming back to the idea of the church, we have to remember that the church is made for man, not man for the church. And what I mean by that is that the church, the gathering together, the uh, addition of a new family spiritually, a new identity, is for us, God's gift to us, that we could gather together. Uh, because you know the, the church today, every, anywhere in the world, is only following in the footsteps of the early church exactly what they did in the book of Acts. They came together, they sang together, read together, served together, ate together, and then they went back home and lived life uh, in the name of Jesus. And, and you're right. Uh, sometimes the people in particular churches can be an offense to others. Sometimes the weird doctrines that are in a church don't represent Jesus at all. Isn't that what, ha what Jesus confronted when he rebuked the yep, Pharisees? I mean, who got rebuked? It wasn't the hurting people in sin. It was, the, it was the religious people that misrepresented God. And that's why I believe the Bible says that someone like me, I'm going to receive a stricter judgment. Um, I have a bigger responsibility in, in my teaching. And, and I think that, you know, like you then went to Kings or to... Um, Saul of Tarsus, you know, he had a jacked up life and he thought he was doing, and it was, he was religious and God even reached him. And so I like to share with our church all the time that, that we can't be all, you know, hypercritical and hyperjudgmental of the world. I just shared it this last Sunday. You know, we, the church sometimes, well, let me put it this way, more often than not, the church is known by what they're against than what they're than the love of God. And Jesus said, he said, they're going to know you're my disciples for your love for one another, not your hatred of all the nasty sin in the world and just being hypercritical and judgmental. It's love that changes. It's love that leads to repentance. And if we're not engaged in expressing love, then we're we're one of those sons, man. We're just not doing it right. And and so I like to teach our church, you know, that that even if they're sitting next to a million drunks in the church, where else do you want them? Like, where else do you, well, you know, I have my kid here, and when am I going to tell my kid? You're going to tell your kid the truth. 
You're gonna. That's what you're gonna do. You said, "Mommy, mommy, that man stinks." I know. It smells like he's been drinking. We should pray for him instead of. I think I'm gonna move because I don't want my kids to. You know, I don't want to be around that. And, and our church really doesn't have a significant problem with that um, because their pastor was like that. That's how I got saved. I was a strung out drunk, and God reached me. And I have a heart to be a part of a church where a knucklehead like me can still walk into it and get saved. Yes, sir. Yeah, it does seem like sometimes when you just sort of uh, when you reach the bottom of the barrel, it's almost it's almost easier for God to reach you. You know, so um, it is. You can you can just speed that process along just by being a total wrecking ball. You know, that's almost yes. better than than being pie, You know, super pious and proud and all the other things. So. And, and you know we we have to admit and you and and I think if uh, I'm I'm not going to put you on the spot but I want to include you in this I we have to admit that Garrett and Ed don't always get it right ourselves and we also make mistakes with people's lives and the only response when we fail is humble repentance and and hopefully we didn't fail so bad that we lose all credibility in someone's life and and I think as a pastor, I want to teach that from the pulpit, a theology of failure, right? Because failure is a part of all of our lives, even as believers. None of us are perfect. And so some of the greatest um, pain in the church is because of our unrealistic expectations and our right. offenses, you know, when we are offended. We don't deal with our offenses properly. It's like, well, you know, you didn't say hi to me, or you took my parking space, or you whatever it might be and we just don't give we don't cut slack and grace to people um in our lives and so you and I have to watch ourselves right <laughs> we uh, right, we have to be careful so that we're not a part of the problem but a part of the solution right absolutely yeah i agree <laughs> yeah i mean i i think that you have that simplicity about your about you that i hear and that humility about you and and God's going to use you as a change agent in your local congregation. And every person you talk to, you're going to be sensitive to. I sense that in you. And, you know, you're an important part of the body. And sure, the church prevents people. You know, the organized church prevents people. Um, but it's it's more than just the organized church. It's just people prevent people from coming to Jesus. And that's a... Do you, do you, mind, um, do you mind if I share a quick anecdote with you uh, about sure. uh, a story that's kind of relevant, actually? Um, Go for it. Uh, I just picked up a temp job because I'm only in Colorado for a little bit of time, you know, and um, mm-hmm. I worked on money and whatever, um, it's like a construction job, you know, but he was, he was using drugs, and um, him and his wife didn't have a place to stay that night because he was a bad steward of his money, and, uh, you know, I live in, I was living in my, like, camper van, you know, so I'm able to save a little bit, and it, it's a good place, you know, it's nice to be able to to give people something, you know, so anyways, I loaned him, lended him some money, then, you know, and he was, like, pulling out some drugs and showing it to me, and I, I felt, I, immediately I felt like, oh, I was stupid, you know, <laughs> but, and then I was kind of judging him afterwards, like, man, like, I, like, you know, I shouldn't have done that, and then, uh, anyways, you know, months go by, months go, and I, and then, you know, he got fired and stuff, and I hadn't heard from him for, like, maybe a month or so, and then he calls me, he's like, hey, I got your money, you know, and so I met up with him, and, um, and, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff about life and about uh, spirituality and stuff. And then he's actually going to come with me to um, Pastor Nick Katie's church here at Longmont oh, right. um, on Sunday. Yeah. So Great. 
I felt, yeah, and I felt really good about that. I got my money back, and he's going to come to church with me, you know, and I was like, it felt like it kind of justified my whole time here in Colorado, almost. Oh, you know? that's awesome. So at first, I was wondering, I was like, why am I even here, you know, because my family lives here, but it seemed like they're super excited to be around me or anything, you know, but it felt like that, that one experience kind of justified, like, the past, like, three or four months of my life, you know, so that's, that's really awesome. cool. Well, hey, bro, I'm going to move on to a few more calls, but I appreciate yeah, you hanging yeah, on. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks, appreciate man. That, Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Really good. Uh, really good just to hear. You know, sometimes we need to hear it from a third party of how churches, our churches, not that church on the corner or that, but our churches can actually be a barrier to salvation. And Lord, help us and just... Begin to pray through that and see what God reveals. 303-690-3000. I'm going to move to uh, Firestone, Colorado. Josh is on line three. Josh, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. So I wanted to ask today a question that came up recently in regards to the, the lineage of man, specifically... And Eve, and then even during the you know the reset during the time of Noah, how does how is it that like are we all related or, or how? I mean, it's a question I don't really have a good answer for. Well, I do think that you we can answer that question. Are we related? Are we all related? We can answer that question yes and no, uh, because there are so so the yes part is even even scientists today that have no biblical background, you know, no no they're not Christian. Uh, there, you could even put them in the secular worldview, have have studied extensively on on DNA and come to terms that we've all come from two ancestors, and and so we're all interrelated by our ancestors Adam and Eve, and of course even after the flood, um, that DNA got carried through through Noah and his family into successive generations. Now the way that we would say that we're not related is that there are generation after generation after, I mean, we're, I don't know how many generations um, that have existed since Adam and Eve, but the distance between the families, the language separate, I mean, just using the Bible alone dictates the different family lines, um, the, the, the distinctness of families, the distinctness of relationships, so that um, I would say, uh, if we related that question to you and me, uh, and say, Josh, is Josh and Ed related? The answer is yes, uh, we're related because we can both trace our ancestry to Adam and Eve, but are we related in the reality and the current definition of where we're from the same family and we're connected? No, we would have to go back all the way to the beginning of creation to connect our lives, so we're not related in that sense. Okay, yeah, I just... Some people were asking, you know, about incest and with the, and obviously the stigma that that word has on it and things like that. It's, it, it was just something I didn't really know how to articulate. Well, I, that's a different question in in the sense if if we put that into the uh, the context of Adam and Eve's immediate children, um, and say, well, you know, if Adam and Eve's immediate children, how how is it possible that they could repopulate the earth uh, without repopulating with each other Um, but understand that when it comes to incest that incest is very strictly defined uh, and it is not it does not go backwards to Adam and Eve it goes forward from the law Uh, and 
it's important for us to be able to distinguish in incestuous relationships prior to God's command against them, right? In Levit- Leviticus chapter 16, um, until God commanded against it, it was not incest. Uh, it wasn't incest, especially in the perverted, twisted way it is that sin exists today. Um, in previous to the prohibition in Leviticus, uh, it was just marrying a close relative. Because remember, sexual sin is sexual sin. Um, and outside of marriage, that's what it would be. Uh, but as generation after generation after generation would come, um, the, the reality of God's order uh, would be revealed at his perfect timing. And and so the the idea of incest with Adam and Eve is there was no other choice. And, and it wasn't... And let me just add, too, because it, people get people listening in kind of get um, defensive or, or like feel like, oh, there's no good answer to that. Remember, incest has... Today, the ancestral relationship is... And I don't know, I haven't seen studies, but it would probably in the 90% be an adult male with a powerless teenage girl. And... Mm-hmm. And it would be not only incest, but it would be child, you know, and then for the sake of families listening in, adults know what I'm speaking to, you know, so kids in the backseat, we don't need to go too in depth. But that is not what happened around the time of Adam and Eve. It's not mentioned. It's not condemned. And what it what that sin has become today is one million percent. And it didn't just happen today, but what's happening today, forbidden by by the scriptures and in no way. Is it okay? Absolutely not. Yeah. Well, and that that, that helps me a lot. Thank you. It it, it would be like, um, you know, it, it this is a kind of a, a weak illustration, but you know, when they're building a community because they're building again, um, there is empty land, and so there's no the if somebody went and took a stick from that land, there's really no um, law that says uh, against breaking and entering because there's no house there yet. But once the house is built, a new law takes place. And it doesn't change the past, but things have changed. Doesn't change so spiritually, it doesn't change God, but as the circumstances change, God communicates a new law for the circumstance. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. And and so you can say to the people that might even be using that as a way to discount the Bible, you say, Well, wait a minute, incest is wrong. Well, you know, Adam and Eve, they must have well, I'd always like to say, well, just show me that. I, I didn't see that in the Bible. Can you show me? And mm-hmm. it almost only stops them in their tracks because it doesn't say it happened. It doesn't say God's okay with it. It doesn't say any of the sin that was prohibited. It doesn't say it took place. Okay. Same with Noah after the flood. Very same. Got it. Okay. Thank you. All right. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Great, great questions. I know we've spent a little bit of time on questions, so thanks for you guys holding. Uh, Mike is in Fort Morgan, Colorado. Mike, welcome to the program. Sir. Well, Pastor Ed, thank you so much for taking time out. For me. What can I do for you, Mike? Um, sorry, Mike. I have to talk again line two kimberly broomfield colorado kimberly welcome to the program hey thank you pastor ed you're welcome 
Um, I'm calling because I'm experiencing a little uh, loneliness and some confusion as I'm trying to stick to God's Word and not go with uh, what the world is going with on most items nowadays. And one thing that has come up is I've been attending a church that blesses gay marriage, and I do try to be loving and respectful to every individual, um, but I do not believe in gay marriage, and I feel like maybe I shouldn't be in this church. I mean, is that a reflection on uh, me? Like, since I don't believe in it, should I not be attending the church or that's a great question. Am I still okay to be, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Well, let's rephrase your question. So it makes it easier uh, for you to answer it. Um, Let's state it in the positive. Let's state some positive statements. Um, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay. (laughs) And I believe that the Bible says what it says and means what it means. And I believe the Bible uh, outlasts all of the cultural changes since it was written. And I believe the Bible teaches that marriage is one man, one woman for one lifetime. And I can stay I can state a lot of other affirmative statements for you, but that's where you are at this point. And you yeah. agree with those statements up to that point? Absolutely. And here's the next statement. I attend a church that doesn't believe what the Bible teaches. Yeah. It's not so much that you disagree with the church. The, although the culture has a, this is such a, a, a hot button cultural issue today. Um, it's really not what I, it's not really important of what I believe. The Bible says what it says. And everyone has to come to terms with, do you believe the Bible says what it says or it doesn't? And when you're in a, when you're in a gathering of people, that begin to diminish the character of God by just saying, um, you know, we love people so much that we are willing to affirm these relationships on behalf of God. There's a problem with that. I agree. Um, that, that that's a, And so it's not on you because you kind of, you're feeling the weight of the question because you're, you are a sensitive person and you're a caring person. And, and so it's almost like, man, I'm the one making a mistake. But if I asked you, if I asked you a different question, um, if I said to you that uh, the restaurant, we won't name any restaurants because it's not necessary. So there's a restaurant <laughs> on the corner by your house. And I already know 100% because the owner stands out on the street and says, we serve poison here. <laughs> Would you go to that? No restaurant. Neither would I, and it's not my fault they serve poison, but I have to act on the on the information that I have, and I believe that you can believe the Bible and still love and care for people that have chosen to live a homosexual or a transgender lifestyle. God loves them. There's no yeah. question about that. And the, what what the question is is that we as believers trust God to define our lives. And 
you know, a person that chooses homosexuality is is in sin, just like I was when I was a drunkard and rebellious against God. Um, I don't. I never had a problem with that particular sin, but I've had problems. I had many problems with all sorts of sin in my life that I didn't believe what God said about it until I was saved, and then everything changed. <laughs> and and so I like to illustrate too. And this isn't more than that. That's why I use the restaurant illustration. But if you and I were thirsty in a middle of the Sahara Desert, and we had two two glasses of water. And you saw me take something out of my pocket that had a um, that had a little thing that said poison, and I said, "Okay, uh, I know you're thirsty, Kimberly. How many drops of poison can I put in your water?" What would you say? <laughs> None, please. And because you 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 see it coming, and when you see it coming, you're going to avoid it. That's what you're feeling right now, and that it's not on you. You're actually making a very mature decision to process because. A church cannot, in the eyes of God, bless a homosexual marriage because that those two words do not go together. It is not marriage. Marriage is defined by God. It's not a societal definition. It's not a United States of America definition. It's not a Republican or Democrat definition. It's not even a Christian definition. God himself, as our creator, said this is the best way to live for you. And so a church can't even do that. They're, 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 we use that language, but it's not even possible. That, that uh, on behalf of God, He loves those people, and He—it's almost like saying God uh, blesses a drunken orgy party. Like oh. God, in no way ever blesses sin, ever. He never approves of it. He never blesses it. He never encourages it. And so, to directly answer your question now, with all of that. It is time for you to find a healthy church in your community. There's a Calvary Chapel right there in Broomfield. My buddy Kevin pastors it. Is that the one near the high school? It's it's actually one that's near the—it's right next to another church. Let me see. I'll tell you this street because I think it's, it's okay. um, Miramonte Street. It's in a okay. neighborhood. Yes, I think that is by the high school. And then it's right next to another church, like and a catering company. Like it's a neighborhood, but there's a catering thing, a church building, and then another like they just built that church, like it's really brand new. Okay, thank you. And you know, you can visit, you can just sit in the back and uh and <laughs> Kevin, I, I know Kevin, I know his wife, they're very trustworthy and um, you know, God's doing a great work in them and you would be you would be in a safe place there. That's awesome to hear. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. I'm sorry that uh, you're having to face this, and I know you kind of, you, you know, you're losing friends, perhaps, or you're losing an atmosphere, or even use, losing, um, losing, you know, the, the, the um, community that you've built friendship. But you don't need to lose friends. Like we don't need to cut people off. We, we right. can still be friends with people. And, but I'll leave you with this: If I knew. That the water in you, I don't care how thirsty you are or how how your face looks, how much you beg me. If I knew, and it was just you and me in the desert, that you had a glass of water with poison in it, I would literally knock it out of your hands. I would yeah. do whatever I took to keep it away from you. And I'd go, well, Ed, how you knock my water? And I was so thirsty. It's going <laughs> to kill you. 
And so we can't do the wrong thing expecting to get the right outcome. You're right. Okay. Thank you so much. Well, stay in touch. I'd like to know if you, when you visit, and uh, I know that uh, you'll be encouraged and uh, call us back in a couple weeks and tell us how the progress goes. I will. I sure will. Thank you again. All right. You're welcome. All right. Have a nice weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Well, we're coming to the end of today's program. Thanks for joining me today. I count it a great privilege to be a part of your life, uh, a small part of the big work that God's doing in your life. And and just know that you, you could be caught up in a lot of different things, whatever behaviors, or it could even inflame you and be really angry about it. But the reality is, is that God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to rescue us from our sinful ways. And even though I didn't struggle specifically with your sin, Believe me, I was lost as lost could be. And it was offensive to me to some degree for somebody to come and tell me, dude, you're jacked up. Even though I knew I was jacked up, I just didn't want anybody to tell me. And then when you put the perspective that not only am I so messed up, that I'm separated from God, that my mistakes are not just to my wife or to my parents or to the society, my mistakes are actually sin against a holy and a righteous God, that he created me with a purpose and a plan for my life. And so today, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. Go to our website, calvaryco.church, calvaryco.church, and there's a How to Know God tab. We'd love to serve you. Thanks for letting me be a small part of your life. May the Lord bless you and encourage you. Many of you will be in fellowship. Come on out to Calvary this weekend. Go to calvaryco.church. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.